It's time to go into auto reverse with Tony and Matt, where we look at bands that are underappreciated, misunderstood, forgotten, and to some unknown. This week, we're going auto reverse on Little Feet. So, we can't talk about Little Feet without talking about Lil George, because there's, there's only one kind of Little Feet, and it's the Lil George Little Feet. There's no other, in my mind, there's not even, there's like a, basically a cover band that plays Little Feet songs that are made of some members, but there's only one Little Feet that we're going to be talking about. Yeah, like anytime I see like artwork with the duck lady on it, I'm like, that's post, post yeah. little George, little feet. I'm not gonna bother with that. Is that did Neon did Neon Park also do those? Yeah, he did. He did all. I I don't know. I don't think he did his their first album cover. No, because their first album cover I think is like a photo or something. But I think yeah. Neon Park did all, yeah. all the other ones. And, yeah, and he introduced the duck lady. I think not on. Dixie. Yeah, I know. Yeah. He did introduce the duck, but I just know that when I see the duck or the shoes even, the feet don't feel me, feel me now shoes, I think this could possibly be a post little George thing because they when did they reform in the 80s or something yeah, after he passed yeah. away? Yeah, Wait, like he and, died in 79. So it was like mid 80s, late 80s. I was, yeah, like, I was yeah, in college they, when he was yeah. when it came out. Let it roll. And 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 I'm not interested in in that. I I mean I, I you know in, in preparing for this podcast I like kind of try to check things out like live stuff because I didn't wasn't as familiar with Little Feet live, and there was a lot of like post, a lot of post uh, Little George stuff. I was like, oh no, no thanks. Yeah, I don't want that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but his yeah, just like his trajectory, it just I mean he's another one in the vein of died way too soon and was just massively talented on so many fronts both as a songwriter as a singer as a guitarist uh you know the producer you, you could go down the line with him uh you know he played with the master songwriter zappa at first and uh i always thought that you know when i first heard that it was like surprising and not surprising because if you hear little feet uh, you're less like, how did that guy ever play? Like, I, it makes sense, like, Adrian Blue played in Zappa because King Crimson has a kind of very mathematic type of, you know, very high uh, technical um, playing. But um, Little Feet's like a New Orleans boogie funk, you know, rock band that uh, played, a little, you know, was very much a loose band. But, you know, the... Uh, you know, you had a story about him playing Willen was he shared that with Zappa. Zappa's like, yeah, I don't know if that's really for us, but, uh, and, you know, I, the, the story differs whether he got kicked out or he left, but the fact of the matter remains that Zappa championed uh, Little Feet. Um, what, he helped him get signed. He yeah. helped him get signed at Warner Brothers. Yeah, he yeah. did. And he had, yeah. the first iteration of the band had uh, Roy Estrada as the bass player. I think for the first two albums um but yeah i think that there's the genius of him goes i mean we could talk hours about that because he got the soulful voice he's got the anytime you hear uh him play slide you know it's his slide playing it's one of the it's like it's like right let's hear right cooter you're like oh that's right cooter you, yeah, you, his his slide is like uh, Coltrane's, you know, sax or or Miles's trumpet. It's just very, it's very particular to him. 
Yeah. And uh, that's one of the things that made Little Feet so unique was his slide playing. Like, and it's weird too. Like, you know, I I put out that band Raging Slab on mm-hmm. TP. Oh yeah. And and there was a lot of slide in that band, right? A ton of it. And it it just dawned on me recently, like how much Little Feet was an influence on Raging Slab. Like, like it's something I hear now and like from going back and listening to and listening to this playlist that I, that I built for, uh, for, for little feet, I go back and listen to it and there's like ballads and other like th- different kinds of songs where I really see how it, like it touched raging slab and, and like kind of turned them into the band that they were. And I never, I, even though I put them out, whatever, 20 years ago, I never made that connection until I started going through all this little feet stuff. Yeah, you could hear. I mean, I, I remember when I first started playing guitar. My cousin was like, "Hey, here's a uh, socket wrench. You should use that for a slide, like Lil George." I'm like, "What? Doesn't he use a glass thing?" And he's like, "Or steel?" He's like, "No, no. He uses a like a Sears socket wrench." And uh, uh, it was funny because I saw an interview with him, and he said that the reason why he used that is because back in the 60s, 70s, they didn't have like you know you know, guitar center and shit like that around. So, but they had hardware st- stores in every town and mo- there were Sears and, you know, we're all over the country. So it was really easy to, if you lost the slide, it was really easy to go in a hardware store or a Sears to go get a replacement slide. So that's why he, that was the primary reason why he used it. Oh, so his slide playing is so cool. I mean, I, I, it's, that's what, that's, that's a big part of what makes them unique. Um, also, like you mentioned before, their looseness, uh, their looseness in building up a song and then un- then letting it go in this like a more jammy area, then loosely bringing it back again. It's just this it's just so it, it it's hard to explain. It's very it's like it, it's like they're sitting on porch, but the porch is a super awesome recording studio right with a guy who's incredibly sponge he's like a he's sponge like in, in the way he absorbs ideas and influences and then and then is and then re, regurgitates it back in this like so such laid back it's it's incredible and it's i i mean it's to me like i i always thought little george was black yeah that was another thing that like another part of like getting to know them over the years. So it's taken me 20, 30 years to, to learn about little feet. Right. And then, and then we worked on this podcast and I, and I learned even more. So, you know what I mean? It's like, that's, that's what's so good about them and him, you know? And they're one of the few bands that, uh, you know, you could argue, I mean, they did, I like, I think they're as strong as a live band as they are studio. And their studio stuff is fantastic, but that but their live stuff, that's how I got introduced to Little Feet. So when the first time I heard the first notes to Fat Man in the, the, the bathtub and his voice, you know, growls it out, I was like, wow, what is this? Oh, uh, yeah. And they're unique. Uh, but then when I started hearing their studio albums, because I listened to Waiting for Columbus like, just basically got that record, just listened to it over and over and over. And then my cousin was like, no, you want to get their their studio stuff, get Dixie Titch and Sailing Shoes and Feet Don't Fail Me Now. And I was equally impressed because they, they sound, there's different takes 
on the, I mean, they sound similar, but they're different kind of approaches that they've taken live than they did on the studio. And it makes, it, makes them, you know, they're tight, but they look like they could go off on a jam in any minute. But I think the thing that separates them from people who can do a jam, that's few bands, maybe the meters are another one, they, they could jam, but they you, they still they don't lose any intensity of their soul. You feel the soul. Yeah, the, the soul of the song is intact, even if they let it go and, and, and stretch out. The, and to me, when I think of the Little Feet, I, oh, I, I, I the band I compare them to is the Meters. Yeah. Like, it's crazy. Like, I was, I'm like, you know, going through the playlist and listening to the songs, like it, a lot, lots of them, one after another. I'm like they they remind me so much of the meters. I mean, obviously they're not exactly like the meters, right. but there's something and it's crazy and I thought mate was he born in New Orleans? And I look it up. He was no. born in LA. Hollywood you High. Know? Yeah, Hollywood High. And I'm like cuz he 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 sort of takes on that like, you know, voodoo queen, you know, down in, you know, the bayou, like just like he takes that yeah, the, the the physicality of the place and of New Orleans and stuff, and takes it on, and it becomes him. And I'm like, to the point where I was like, is he from there? It took a couple albums, and I don't know how much of it was because because they just had, you know, Roy Estrada was on it. Uh, but when they added uh, Barreri and a bunch of other players for Dixie Chicken, that's when it seemed like it lifted to that kind of like a little bit more meters like funk to it. Because the first two albums was. You know, have like some really good, you know, sailing shoes in the self-titled first album had, you know, some rock. The first album mo mostly seemed almost like folky, more rock with Will yeah, and everything. Yeah, and then yeah. sailing shoes, you know, that had like cold, cold and funky L.A. And it kind of got a yeah. little bit more. But like Dixie Chicken was like the manifestation, I think, where they finally found the right uh, group uh, to really bring that out because like, you know, you know, Dixie Chicken, Two Trains, and Fat Man in Your Bathtub, Lafayette Railroad, like, those are some just, like, the, I mean, you can hear that that's a band that could probably stretch it out for a good 15 minutes a song. Yeah, and it's also, like, Dixie Chicken kind of cemented their sound. Like, so the first two albums, they kind of were trying to figure it out, and you could kind of hear it. Although Sailing Shoes, the more I listen to that record, the more I, the, like, love the songs on yeah. that record, the second one. Um What's that song? Uh, oh, easy to slip. slip. Easy to slip. That yeah. song is incredible. Well, that's enough. That's, that's like yeah. It's and it's on. That's on sailing shoes, I believe, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, that song is just. Even though it, it it's not exactly Little Feet style or like you know it it's a little bit more. They're ramping not up. They're ramping it, up. It's, yeah, it, it, but it's such a it's just a killer such a killer song, and that and that's the thing. It's like you asked me a question, um, in a text. You were like, "Why weren't they bigger?" And you're that is that's a fucking good question. Like, how were they not bigger? Were the songs too sophisticated? Well, I mean, maybe it was. Uh, yeah, that, no, yeah you you could be right. I mean, but it, like the meters weren't big either, and they were like, I think didn't they play like at that time for uh, McCarthy's like some boat trip or something like that? That got that that was a heavily publicized bootleg tape that was sent around, uh, but still, it's just not a big. But that that's the thing that confuses me. You have the Skinners and some others, so that music was being accepted, and the albums. When I looked, when I did some research for this, it's like they did really well. They got gold records or did yeah. things, but dude, like those albums are 
like especially from sailing shoes on like i understand the first album is like their first kind of iteration and it's it's right i like listening to it because it's i've come to appreciate it more and like you said like i think like sailing shoes they were they were in the middle lane with their blinkers on they were ready to take that turn into the fast lane and really get going that's right that's right it was the jump off into dixie chicken which is where they're like this is who we are boom you know this is the style that will come to uh you know define us So a lot of the people we talk about have passed away in an untimely fashion, including Lowell. Yeah. I guess maybe the key, what's the keyboard player's name again? Uh, oh, Bill Payne. Bill Payne. Okay. So he said he claims that he ate a, a pizza with everything on it um, like the day, bef- the day before he passed away. So he, he's claiming that he was, well, he was over 300 pounds and then. He ate a pizza on the New Jersey Turnpike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he claims that that's what did him in. That's why he had the heart attack. Yeah. Um, th- that's like that. I think in some ways his death and the, the way he died and the way his his bandmate retells it a little bit. It kind of is a signifier of the band. Yeah. If you think about it, because they they sold records, but I think they sold records mostly on the backs of of touring. Right. So they did it on touring. And then they also did it on Lowell's um, producing sort work. of like yeah. producing work. So where he was working with uh, with Linda Rodstad, he was working with uh, Robert Palmer, Bonnie Raitt, Harry Nielsen, all these yeah, people, yeah. Harry Nielsen, uh, James Taylor. And so that's why he was so revered and b- beloved, but mostly by insiders in the business and, and then also by hardcore fans who bought the albums. But his death was indicative of, like, in some ways, like his career because he was never huge, but he was real. And that's what you hear in the music is him. He's real. He's genuine. He's humble. Yeah. A lot of the songs, he's just shrugging his shoulders. Well, like, you know, he's like, I don't even know what any of this is. Well, the thing is, that's crazy to me. Well, he. And also his, when he died, he was on tour for his solo album. He was touring. That's right. That's right. Which is, which is kind of crazy. Cause like he's stepping out of the shadow little feet, does his album, which was really well received. You know, there's not a lot of original songs on there. A lot of covers. He does a really yeah. good version of that, uh, Alan Trussant song. What do you want the girl to do? Which is. Yeah. Oh God. That is such a good song, yeah. man. Yeah. It's like he embodied that song so well that I didn't know it was Alan Toussaint's song. Yeah. Like it, that's, it, I had to like, I had to like double check that. I wasn't even sure. And he also covers Ann Peebles' song, I Can't Stand the Rain, which right. is incredible, cool song. It's the song that Missy Elliott sampled. Um, it's, it's great. And it's like, yeah, it, 
it's funny. He makes a solo record. It's a lot of covers. I, I don't know. I love that. Well, let's let's maybe take a sweet turn. Like I think also yeah. the the band itself was a good, like they worked really well together as well. Let's like let's you know talk about Spanish uh, Moon, like that bass and how that kind of that slow lead in, and the or like how those songs they weren't like. They're, you can tell that, that that band didn't really get too bored playing or writing music or putting music together because even each song has something to where the keyboards have a nice little vamp, uh, the, the drumming, the congos, the, you know, Barrer with his second guitar playing. You know, it was just, uh, it, Payne's keyboard work is pretty badass too. Uh, oh God, it's that, that Spanish moon, it's like, that's like a, that's like an, an incredible but the, meter song like Mach yeah. two meters like from uh, rejuvenation like that second that that period where the meters were on tour with the stones and stuff that they, they they like channel that shit on on Spanish moon it's incredible but there's not really one thing like they don't lean on one thing too much like even Lowell George's slide that's used very sparingly it's not overused he's it's punctuating a, you know, a part of the song for, for a specific purpose is there's no indulgence with Little Feet, which is one of the things I like about it because like you could look, I'm, this may be a really bad example, but like Skinner, they do a lot of guitar solos and you know, they don't do, a, they do a little bit of keyboard here, but basically Little Feet, you get some, you get some bass prominent parts, you get some percussion parts with, you know, congos in there, you get some ones that are a little bit more have a little bit more flavored with the, you know, Payne's keyboards. Um, and so, and then Joel, Lil George's guitar work, his slide work specifically, is not like part of every song in that, that slide guitar. He uses it often, no doubt, but he flavors it. And I think that there are songs I, which what I like about them is like they all have like a different kind of flavor. They're all little feet, but they have this kind of really interesting kind of funky but not one note funky like they're going off in different directions. yeah there to you go there you go that's exactly what it is that's it every song is different but the same yeah and and there are only small little things that they do to differentiate them that are so subtle and so sublime and so sublime that they it's like it's almost there's it's like every time you listen to it the new the nuances of it reveal reveal themselves it's like right. it's 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 so fucking dope. It's crazy, and it and it and it's funny because I've always, it's not that I've ever written off Little Feet, but the way that I started to really appreciate them was about four or five years ago. This guy Greg, who um, played soccer with me, he's a chef. Greg Profeta, him mm -hmm. and his brother both played with me. He was upstate. I think him and his fam his family own a little house, a little cabin upstate. He was upstate, and he like came upon a a yard sale and he bought every single little feet record not knowing <laughs> that i like little feet he just bought them and he goes i thought you would want these and it had uh it had um feet don't fail me now in it it had sailing shoes it had uh it had dixie chicken all the albums yeah. were in there most of them right mm -hmm. and i he gave them to me at, at soccer at a soccer game i brought them home and i listened to them one after the other kind of looking for tracks to dj and i found plenty of tracks to dj right but but I also learned just how good the band was. I had to be, that was how I was reminded by someone gifting me all their LPs. Cause it, the funny thing was I didn't have, I didn't own any of their LPs. Right. So I didn't think enough of them to buy their records. 
and but I was reminded, and that's the beauty. Sometimes that's the beauty of like music and by and re- and records and vinyl is that it can be kind of accidental, and yeah. you need and you need to be reminded. Sometimes someone needs to remind you what's up. You know. Yeah, I mean, I I mean, I we got reintroduced, not reintroduced to him. I see. I listened to Waiting for Columbus a lot, and um, I was going through some tapes and found. My wife's like, why are you keeping those? And I'm like, because I still have the tape deck. She's like, well, why don't you get rid of the tape deck? And I'm like, well, I don't have nothing to play the tapes with. You know, I was doing a who's on first with her on that a little bit. But it's like, you know, I was like, oh, I should listen to this album again. And we, I just, it just like, just smile from ear to ear about them. And, you know, the, another thing that you notice is like you were saying, you start picking up things about the band that makes it really interesting. Like Lowell George, while he wrote a lot of the songs, he didn't write all of the good ones and there's a lot of songs that bill payne wrote like red streamliners like a fucking what a fantastic song is that michael mcdonald doing backup yeah i think it is that's i think it is too dude that song is off the hook man that is a crazy and it's hard and it's hard yeah that's why it's like a hard it's a hard song yeah and bill payne had a really good voice he's saying that song i think oh atlanta and a bunch of other ones and um i think ferrera saying uh, saying uh, old folks boogie and a couple others. So, I mean, they didn't like again. They, I don't they get to the point that I didn't know that at the time. But when I kind of re- started listening to the tapes again, listening to them again, I'm like, and started reading the note, the liner notes and stuff. I'm like, oh shit, he didn't write all the songs there. He, you know, it's a nice little balance, uh, and it shows. It's like, it, I, it's you know, you they they said that they broke up because they were, they were going into a jazz rock venturing to jazz rock and Lil George wanted nothing to do with that and mm-hmm. which sent him to do his solo album solo record yeah. yeah but you know even his solo record you know he, a lot of guys on the band I think Payne and Hayward played on that and Bonnie Raitt Nicky Hopkins Jim Gordon they had a bunch of he had a, a good cast on that but you know band I, that's why I was thinking why they were why did they break up because they seemed like they had a nice little balance but I guess if you have a guy who's self-destructing in front of you and he's the he's basically the life force of your band maybe you maybe start looking for comfort in the jazz rock <laughs> yeah that that's if ja- yeah they use jazz rock as their uh, uh I think I'll switch horses here to jazz rock <laughs> Spyro I, you know what you know what man it was the 70s it was a crazy time who the fuck knows what these people went through in terms of uh, interpersonal relationships, their relationship with their record label. Uh, you know, it's it's crazy. I, you know, Lowell, Lowell just seemed like he didn't give a shit a little bit. You know, there's a that there's that's some of what I get from the live shows and yeah. just his demeanor. Like he didn't care. But at the same time, maybe he cared so much of keeping it very, you know, Lowell George little feet you know like not not switching it up too much yeah um but 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 it, but you and, and then and then on top of it they got to be pissed that he's out there producing all these people right like um the well, rest of the band is i don't but maybe not i don't know. i mean but like they did they all work they all the most of the band worked on that chico hamilton album right yeah that's right and then they also all worked on that other record that's amazing too the um god what am i um I know oh you're, God! I know Nolan Porter. Nolan yeah, Porter. yeah, the Nolan Porter one, right? That record, that both those records, I think they played on the first one. I think it's called Actually. That that record, that that record is or no no, it's called No Apologies. That's it. Yeah. Um, that record's incredible, and it has, 
you can feel the little feet vibe in it, even though it's that it's Nolan's, you know, soul, yeah. soulful voice. Right. Um, and, and then, and then again, you hear, you hear little feet and a lot of that, that Robert Palmer record, the sneaking Sally through the alley. Right. Um, I mean, he covers, he covers sailing shoes on that record. So it's like, it's, it's like, I wonder like what, I mean, but then the band, like you're, you're right. The band did play on a lot of those things themselves. So they couldn't have been too pissed cause they were getting work out of him producing it. Cause they're, he's using them as the band, you know, it's, it's God, it's so, it's so cool. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's so cool to look at it. Like, and well, map it out you know it's crazy but you know it's that, that there's also like a you know a little bit of wistfulness because you see that you know little george is probably a much a, a lot of a burden being like having that great of talent and producing and writing great songs and figuring out okay what's next because i think that that's the the musician's struggle is to just figure out where do you want to go next and will i be able to sustain myself I mean, you know, you're mulling that stuff off. It's not easy thinking, and you're you're eating a pizza all by yourself. It's you know that's how the depression you get stuck in your head, and you're not trying to do something. And you know, he wasn't very old when he, um, you know, they didn't have life coaches on tour buses back then. So to tell them no, like, no, to no, tell, to kind of, no. hey, you guys got to work this out a little bit, or you know, hey, Lowell, why don't you write in your journal in the morning, and that'll help. And like they didn't have any of that shit, so they, he, and they certainly didn't have nutritionists or anything like that. No, like yeah, you know, you know, Coke and Little Caesars. You know, that's not a very healthy diet. Um, no, no. But you know, it's one of those things where I wonder what would happen. It's like you know, Ry Cooter played on the first album, and that's something that you know, Lowell George would have been something that would have been fantastic to see him doing stuff with Ry Cooter when he got older and doing that kind of bend where he just kind of gets, took his, that, that voice and guitar, guitar playing him and try to go into other different branches of music. And yeah, it, it could have, it could have been, it could have been cool. Kind of like thinking about what Hendrix could have done. Yeah, exactly. Um, if he had stuck around, it's the same, it's the same thing, but these are complex people and their music is um, a reflection of that. And, and their lives are a reflection of their, complexities and, and a lot of times you die off of that you know especially back then like you said there was no support systems for anybody so they they were like they were in the back of a fucking tour bus eating a pizza by themselves yeah you know and it's you know to, to that to, you, you make a good point about the complexities also of their music it's like maybe that's the reason why they didn't get as popular like say Skinner or other bands at, at that time and they were they were very popular, but they weren't nowhere. So you know, they didn't have their own jet taking them places. And no, they weren't. A, I don't think they were a massive stadium band in any way. They probably did stadium tours supporting other other bands, but right. They were. They were. Uh, yeah. I mean. I mean, it doesn't matter. It doesn't even really fucking matter. No, it doesn't. Back. But yeah. I would. I would say that they're one of those bands that their albums I listen to every year. Not just a couple albums. I listen to three or four albums, or you know, I, they're in fairly steady rotation because it's, yeah, it, it not only it's just just fucking just gr great songs that are, but they, there's always something hidden in a song that I'll hear and I'm like, oh, I didn't notice that the first hundred times I heard that. <laughs> I know that's, what's incredible about them. Yeah. And, and, and then, uh, you know, I, we were talking about grateful dead and how you were trying to be, 
you were trying to get me to edit off some of the songs from Shakedown Street that I put on the playlist, which, by the way, I'm not doing. Fuck you. Um, so, <laughs> I saw that. But, 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 but even even that, like year after years of owning that record and and having my own hard time with either liking or not liking the Grateful Dead, I've been gone back and forth, back and forth, even more so than with Kiss, like that we've talked about before, and. And and then and then I realized that Lil George produced the one record that I really like, uh, <laughs> Shakedown Street. I, it's like, oh, that's awesome. I hadn't, I didn't even put those two things together. And it's like, and actually, one, the one song on that album uh, is it "I Need a Miracle." Yeah, that's like a cornerstone of their of the Grateful Dead's thing. Yeah, and 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 he was there for that. And it's like, it's like, it's it's so crazy. It's like watching a movie where like the main character was at the was at the uh when lincoln was assassinated and then he was at the spa- <laughs> at the moon landing it's like that's little george he was there for all of it the but grateful was, dead moon landing yes he was yeah yeah exactly he orchestrated and, it and, and it's like that's that's the that's his his beauty you know it's like that he was there for a lot of it but his own stuff was maybe not as appreciated even though it should have been right yeah, I mean, he could have been a victim of just trying to do too much and, you know, not have enough time. Who knows? I mean, but, you know, the Shakedown Street, that song, France, is absolutely beautiful. It's like one of my favorite Grateful Dead songs. Um, and although Mickey Hart wasn't very happy with the, the he's like, I think his quote was like, uh, Lil George is a great, can play some great guitar, but he's not, he's not, he wasn't a great fit for the Grateful Dead or something like that. But yeah. Do you get the impression that Mickey Hart's a little uptight? He's a drummer, so he's supposed to be tight, you know. They're, yeah, they're, yeah. They're I supposed to keeping like, it I'm, together. I don't really give a shit what Mickey Hart has to say. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. You know the funny thing is, is that I listened to that album, Shakedown Street, uh, uh-huh. I, the, the the songs that you didn't put on this playlist, and uh-huh. and, and then uh, it was, uh, you know, that's a, that's a really good album. I don't know why he's pissing a moan, and I think that you could you could maybe even say that was their best, their more their last interesting Grateful Dead album. Yeah, yeah, it's like, yeah, I love that album, man. Yeah. And it, I mean, for me, it was I, I, I love Shakedown Street um, because of the of the title track because it's such a nice player. Like when I'm DJing, I can put that on and appeal to the jackasses that are obsessed with Grateful Dead, but also appeal to someone that doesn't know that it's the Grateful Dead. So it's like I love, and I love that album for that. You know, it has that vibe to it. It's it's like the non Grateful Dead Grateful Dead album. That's awesome. So that the you play a lot of meathead oblivious crowds, so they're just they're either meatheads or just oblivious to music. Is that what is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, yeah. I mean, ninety percent of the people that are in front of me while I'm DJing, um, generally, well, it depends where. Yeah, uh, if it's in Brooklyn or if it's out here in Pal River, British Columbia, where I live. Yeah. Ninety um, percent of the people don't give a shit what I'm playing, yeah. and that's fine because you know what. I'm playing I for yourself. I get, I'm doing it for myself. That's yeah. what music's all about. It's do it for yourself. Make it for yourself. Listen to it for yourself. Enjoy it for yourself. Don't worry about what other motherfuckers think. There's enough. That's the that's the, the trap. That's that is a huge trap. And someone told that's me this a, a lot. Someone told me this a long time ago. There's enough room for everybody. You don't have to like what I like. You know, there's you there's, you can like your own things and it's not going to hurt what I like. Just don't worry about it. Uh, it's also, I hear people like, you know, like really like, you know, hipstery, record snob people. 
you know, just coming at me hard with just obscure stuff, which in a lot of cases I know anyway, because I'm, you know, I'm curious. So I know about obscure stuff, too. And I own a lot of obscure stuff. But like when we have let's say you're having a conversation about something like this little feet, they might be like, OK, I don't they, they could poo poo it a little bit. And it's like, dude, stop acting like you made the obscure records. You just bought them. Like, you bought them, you acquired them, you didn't make the shit, you're not in the Rolling Stones, you're not, you know, you're just some dude who likes music, Yeah. and just be that way, stop being so, like, like, uh, withholding about it, you know? Well, I'll put it like the kids say these days, don't yuck my yum, and that's- That's right. And that's the thing, it's like, you can like your own thing, you can like applesauce, I can like potato salad, we can all get along here. Table's, yeah. t- table's big enough for all of us. Well, you know, I was going to say, speaking about long enough, the playlist for Little Feet is epic. Epic. So you can clean every room in your house three or four times with the playlist. As I, Even, as I and you out. can clean a mansion you with can. this playlist. You can clean a goddamn mansion yeah. if you have one. If you have I'm one. I'm not if, judging you if you, do, if you don't no. or if you do. But if you have a mansion, you could do it with this playlist. Yeah, and you could give it to your maids who can listen to it while they clean. <laughs> okay, that's fucked up, Matt. But that's. <laughs> well, if you got a mansion, Jesus. well, do how many people who have a mansion clean it themselves? Like, well, not a lot of people have so, a not a lot of people. So uh, let, have let's a, buy this mansion. But, but, <laughs> I'll but buy Neil this Young man. did say every, every a man needs a maid, right? He did sing that. Yeah, that's true too. Yeah. Yeah. Nice yeah. to help help. <laughs> It's nice to have help if you can find it, if you can get it. <laughs> All right, man. All right, buddy. So, everyone, let us know what you think. Give comments are always welcome on Auto Reverse. And, uh, yeah, if you have even having a, a particular band you want us to sink our teeth into, please let us know. Peace. The things you see.